get ready. Welcome to the Two Metal Fans Podcast, where we talk about metal and non-metal and things about life and things that don't matter, so get used to it. We're gonna talk your face off. Welcome back, everybody, to the Two Metal Fans Podcast. It's your host, Logan, and next to me today is my forever co-host, Jordan. What's up? Uh, yeah, so we are the Two Metal Fans. We talk about music and things that aren't music from the lens of a metalhead. So, today, we're going to start you off with some new releases that have come out, I guess they would have came out, what, on Friday? Today is Monday, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so these came out on Friday. First up is Vola, a progressive rock, progressive metal band, released the new single, the second single of the year. Maybe, no, 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 sorry, not of the year, but the second single of this, like, release cycle. Of their Sh- album? Is that what you're trying to say? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Of their album. <laughs> okay. So the second sure. re- single for this upcoming album is called Straight Lines. Wait, what was the other single? I don't remember the name of it, but it came out I think in like December or November. I don't remember hearing it. You don't? No. Oh. Well, I they, thought this was the first. No, this is the second. And uh, they they uh, they also announced a new album with it called Witness that comes out. Yeah, that's why I thought it was the first single. It comes out in May. When does it come out? Like May 20th, May 4th, same thing, same thing, same thing. It'll be with you, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, we got Vola dropping the single, and what'd you think of it? Because I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was like top notch. If you've heard Vola's um, applause of a distant crowd, it was basically the same thing, but like added on to it. They took everything they did in that album, but enhanced it and just kept growing as a band. And I absolutely, it's everything like. This sequ- a, a good sequel should be. Not saying it's like a sequel to the album, but it, everything that was good about that one is there, plus a little more, and they got rid of some bad. I there I was know. no bad in the old album, so right, I'm that's why I said about. maybe. Okay, but either way, solid single. Check it out, and I can't wait for Witness. What did I say? May fourth. Yeah. May the fourth be with it'll you. It'll be with. That's good. Uh, the second single that came out was. A personal favorite of mine. Mm. Personal favorite of yours? I depends on what you're gonna say. Oh, I mean, Sony and the Lich put out the third single for their upcoming oh. album. Uh, you know, their album's United in Chaos comes out February 26th. Pretty close. It is pretty close. It's I'm... not my favorite one they've released though. Really? Yeah. What's your favorite? I don't know. It's probably Descend. Wait, you like Descend more than? Yeah. No. I think so. What? No, I love uh, Cult of Ophidian. I I don't know what it is about it, but I think like in this, they really showcase his vocals, where he sounds almost like not human. Like he's mm-hmm. his vocals are good in every single song that he does, mm-hmm. but in this, in Cult of Ophidian in particular, he sounds insanely. That's true. Demonic, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, I mean his vocals are insane, so. He should show him off more often. Mm, true. Sounds like he's going to be doing that a lot. Mm. Oh, well, hopefully the entire album is him just going crazy on Are we going to get a vocal solo? Is that possible? A vocal solo. Yeah. I guess that's just acapella. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, also, Signs of the Swarm dropped a new single, The Collection. That's are you, good. Are you familiar with Signs of the Swarm? Mm-hmm. You were? Mm-hmm. Have you heard them before I sent you the single? Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good too. I need to put this drink down because I keep talking. But they have another single that was released pretty recently. And I compared to that one, I think it's pretty on par. Either way, I'm really excited for the album whenever it drops because it sounds like it's going to be a solid Tech Death album. It really does. It was, it was pretty good. Then you have Era's Scorpion Hymn. And now this is the fourth single off of this album they released another one that's not looking good for the album i really i really really dislike when bands release too many singles and i think four is like the gray area it's like you could justify it you couldn't but like five is definitely the whoa 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 for me two two singles is perfect you can get a good feel of what the album's gonna be with two things two singles and then still have a lot to look forward to three that's okay too i mean you still have a lot to look forward to in that sense. But when you start doing four and five, it's like, unless the album's 12 songs long, which most of them aren't anymore, that's going to be about half the album that you have before it comes out. 
makes it a lot less that you're looking forward to, and I dislike that. But Scorpion Hymn, hands down, the best era song they've ever done. Ever. It's so good. The beginning, it's not, is it guitar? That, that, what's that beginning part? That like really deep, low, like wow, wow, wow. Probably a synth of some sort. It must be a synth, but it sounds so much sugar esque. And honestly, the whole song. The song is kind of thaw, not gonna lie. It, it's got that genty, thawly, mashuga, all that type of sound to it. And I love it. And today, for the first time, because of you, I heard an instrumental version of the song. I love it way more. Yeah, so that was, there's a guy on YouTube, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's like Yao Medeiros or something. Um, he like live streams himself, taking new songs that just came out, and then like learning how to play it on guitar, drums, synth, and everything, and then he'll record a cover within like a day or two. So he recorded himself playing a cover of the song, and it came up like on autoplay, and I was like, whoa, this is sick, what's going on? And then it was like Aero Scorpion and him, and I'm like, what? Yeah, it is absolutely sick. I'm the, to... the riffage in that song is like god tier. It's so good. And they've always had at least decent riffage in most of their songs, I will say. But this is like a whole nother yeah. step in the direction that we like to listen to, and that's huge. And then, I don't know, man. The lyric, the vocals still, I don't, I don't love them, but I don't hate them in this song. Mm. Like I think um, the 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 screamer, what's his name? JT? No. Maybe. I don't know. Whoever the screamer is in that band, I think in the past, he's been okay. Like, he's been pretty good, but he hasn't been, like, S tier, A tier, whatnot. And this song, he reaches those heights because he does this weird throat thing, like, probably mid to, like, later in the song. I don't know. I, I, have, I did not expect that from them. Their are, album... Are you a fan of the weird throat things? I do love weird throat things. You want to do one? No. Ah. I sure don't. But the album... It's a self-titled album. comes out March 19th, so keep a lookout for that one. And now I've lost my page. Thank goodness. But, um, Did you say thank goodness? Yeah, thank goodness. And then the fifth single I want to talk about is Lamb of God's Ghost-Shaped People. This looks like it was like a B-side off yeah. of their most recent record. Did you listen to it? I did. Did you like it? I did. I mean, the, the, the recent release was pretty darn solid as a record. And then this, uh, this song was it was solid like the whole way through i didn't dislike anything but i also didn't love anything until there was this one breakdown probably like three-fourths of the way through the song that just then continued for a little bit and i was like oh my god that was one of the best breakdowns i've heard this year yeah the whole time i listened to it i was like this just sounds like a good old lamb of god song but then by the end of it i was like if this was a B-side, why didn't it make it on the album? I know. I thought it was like, better than some Not to say anything on the album should have been, like, knocked off. Because it was, it was a really good album. But, Fair. like, come on, you could have squeezed this one on there, too. Yeah. Honestly, I would have rather seen this on the album than some other songs, but I couldn't name those songs. So Tragic. Tragic, indeed. But Lamb of God's, like, one of those bands that you know, no matter what they release, it's going to be high quality. Um, and this was just the same. They didn't do anything different. They just added on to the normal formula. So then we have some EPs. The first one I want to mention is Nail Wound. Not I keep saying Nail Wood, but it's Nail Wounds Doomsday. Did you listen to that? I did not. No? I didn't really know much about it. I trying to I think uh Kempires on Twitter was the one that like made me realize that it came out. And checked it out and it's like this very aggressive beat down metalcore similar to like Spite, uh, Alpha Wolf, uh even Acacia Strain, it's very angry and aggressive and with top-tier production. So if you haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend it. I was surprised. I thought it, like they were like a little smaller of a band with an EP. I was like, this will probably be decent, but that's all. No, it was top-tier. And one of my favorite releases so far this month, but we're only, what, eight days in, so that's not that hard to do. Then uh, second is Cult of Luna's The Raging River. Again... I'm not that familiar with Cult of Luna. I've seen them kind of circulating on the internet being talked about. So I want to check out the Raging River. Is this what you sent me? That is what I sent you today. And I do like it. Like, And every time I've listened to it, I've enjoyed it. And it's funny because it's an EP, but it's 40 freaking minutes long. It's longer than some albums it, I know. It's longer than a lot of albums. It's, I think, four songs, 40 minutes, maybe five songs, 40 minutes. Um... 
basically think of the ocean progress it's like a progressive metal slow slow yeah i don't know Am- it's not even amb- it's just like it's slow slow and repetitive metal. but it's groovy mm-hmm. i don't know it made me think of the ocean but it made me want to listen to the ocean yeah. Instead of listening to the rest of the EP, and that's a good point. Is that it? It made I enjoyed it, but I was yearning for more from it, so it wasn't like perfect. And then some really good albums that came out Friday, and then I think one on Sunday was Saren came out with "You Can't Go Back." You familiar? No, that one was released through Prosthetic Records, and that's kind of how I got my eyes on it because I've been following them since someone the Lich got signed to him, and this was a. Similar to Cult of Luna, very ambient, but this was kind of more doomy and droney. Hmm. Um, I just I really don't know how I feel about it because there's certain parts of the songs that I love, and there's certain parts of the songs that I completely get bored with. They just kind of, I guess, move on this like slow pace for too long, and I kind of fall out of it. Overall, I think it's solid. And Thick Meyer, the song is top tier. It sounds like a good song name. Thick Meyer. Thick Meyer. I mean, what does that mean? Like a really dense swamp? Mm-hmm. So that's perfect. Uh, then Loathe, very well-beloved, I guess, metalcore, but I would say they kind of really reached the boundaries of metalcore. They released an album last year that was hugely successful. And oh, then the new one came out already? They had a one-year, on the one-year anniversary, the same date as last when they released their album, they released a new album called The Things They Believe. Have you listened to it? Mm-hmm. It's basically a completely experimental album that is 100% instrumental, there's no vocals, and it's 100% ambient. So it, it's kind of like, think of Pink Floyd's kind of weird ambience, but with no vocals and for the entirety of the song. Hmm. I know, it's weird. I, I saw a lot of people were kind of uh, not thrilled about it. They thought they were expecting like a Loathe album, and it Obviously, it is a low album, but it wasn't like the last one. I, for one, kind of like it more than their album. Their album that came out last year, I didn't hate, but also I didn't, like, love. This was something I could throw on in the background and just chill to and listen at any time. Because it's one of those, like, really ambient, easy to listen to, kind of get lost in type albums. And hey. Yeah, haven't heard it yet. I'll, I, you I'll check, I think yeah. you would like that one. I, the other ones on this list... Probably not. You would like Saren, maybe, but not the others. Uh, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets came out with a new album called Shiga, The Sunlight Mound. Sorry, who came out with a new album? Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Okay, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know why their name is so good, but it it's is. So good. <laughs> um, basically, this is like an indie rock band, post-rock, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've liked them for over the like, last couple of years, usually mostly because Veronica found them and they've been in our playlist and whatnot. This album reminded me of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, another band with a fantastic name. Yeah, I don't think you can get better than that band. King name. Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, yeah. Uh, basically, it sounded just like them, so if you like King Gizzard, you'll like this album. If you don't like King Gizzard, you probably won't. It's what if I only like the Lizard Wizard? Not King Gizzard? Right. You'll half like this album. Oh, okay, it's okay. like a 50-50, you know? Oh, it's an even gizzard and lizard-wizard split? Mm-hmm. Hmm, cool. A little bit of wizard, a little bit of gizzard. We're making tongue twisters over here. All right, but Shiger, The Sunlight Mountain, it's a solid album if you like that post-rock ambient, like, uh, I don't know, whatever King Gizzard is. It's kind of hard to explain. Last but not least on the list is Scarlord's Doom 2. Okay, this one just sounds like it has to be brutal. It is very brutal, but it's rap. So it's like this. Uh, Whoa! It's didn't this, expect that. It, it's this rapper that's extremely aggressive and metal. Hmm. Like, uh, like Ice T's band, right? Not <laughs> as, uh, not as cliche oh. as Ice T's band. Body count. Um, I don't think you would like this, but I will do want you to give it a shot if you ever get the time, because it's like this. Uh, how do I? It's. Just extremely aggressive and mad all the time and relentlessly fast, but you can't. I, I I can't understand a single word the guy says, which usually I enjoy when I can hear what he says. But in this case, it makes it better because it's just like, it's one of those albums that if I were to go work out, which obviously I don't too often, but if I were to, this would be something I listen to because it's just like mad angry the whole time. So what I'm hearing is. It's so good that you don't want to listen to it. <laughs> it's not what it said. 
Um, it's more of you have to be in the mood for this kind of thing. And you're never in the mood to work out, so you don't want to listen to it. Exactly. Yeah, now you I feel gotcha, it. Now I you're gotcha, feeling you it. don't like it. <laughs> no, I do like it. I think I rated it like on my personal scale of rating. I think it was an 8.6. <laughs> Sorry. On my personal scale of rating. I mean, I've got my personal scale of rating, and then I've got my two metal it's, fans. It sounds like pop. a D&D item. The personal scale of rating? Yeah. What, do you stand on the scale and then it rates you? <laughs> it's like, like It's like you get a new item, right? <laughs> and you're like, hmm, am I going to use this or am I going to put it in my bag? So you put it on your personal scale of waiting. <laughs> no, rating or waiting? Rating. Same thing. And then it's like, oh, do I like it? Do I not? It's my personal scale. Everyone else's is different. It's mine, and you can't take it from me. That's fair. That's I mean, that's exactly what I was going for. How'd you get? How'd you know? My personal scale of mind reading. Of what? Mind reading. Mind reading. Ooh, maybe. <sighs> All right. Well, so we have re- we have reviewed albums since last episode, and you know the first one up is BTS. Actually, yeah, BTS's BE. It might be hard to follow. The band is called BTS, as in BTS. <laughs> How many times are you going to say it? And the album is B-E, as in B-E. So, really hard to follow. <laughs> I think it was fine to follow until you just made it really hard to follow. I'm not even following it. All right, so what's it called? B. 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 Okay. It's a bumble. Why did you add this to our list? I don't know. We always listen to metal, and I was like, "Let's." What's the opposite of metal? K-pop. K-pop is the opposite of metal. I can confirm. No, no. I really added it to the list because I had heard a K-pop song on like a musical analysis kind of kind of video. They talked about like polyrhythms in the songs and kind of like stuff they get away with in Korean music that it maybe isn't in more Western music. Um, and I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty cool. We should listen to some K-pop." I picked the wrong K-pop band. Because what I did was I was just like, Google, Google, blah, 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 K-pop best bands. And then I like looked through the list. And this one had a lot of people saying I should listen to it. Hmm. And uh, I think I just ended up on the wrong side of K-pop. Uh, yeah, I didn't really like this album too much. I didn't hate it. Um, I mean, it really, it really just felt like American pop with Korean vocals. Like there wasn't any additional flair in my opinion. No, I, I agree. That's exactly it. Is that it was exactly what you get from mainstream pop stars in America, but you can't understand them. Which is which is fine. That doesn't really take away from the music. It can and it can't. I mean, I usually can't understand American pop stars anyways because they're doing crazy stuff with their voices. But it was it was something that when I had it on, I didn't hate it. I didn't want to turn it off. I was kind of bobbing the noggin. A little like, not like not headbanging, but a, a noggin bob. You know what you do with pop music, and so with what music? Pop. They said pop music. No, with pop music, you're like leaning back in your chair, and you're just like. But that's still a noggin bob. It's a noggin bob. No, it's more like a noggin sway. It's a little different than the noggin bob. <laughs> Come on, I'm a professional. I know what I'm talking about. So uh, nice. BTS, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And it was below the standard. It, it was below the standard. If, if they would have had a, what is it, Gangnam style for every song, it would have been better than this. I don't think so. No? <laughs> Alright, well I give it a meh and a rating of 6 out of 10, which is pretty bad. I gave it a meh and I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. I don't really know. Trying to up me? I I think I put my review in first. I mean, that's true. So. Maybe I was trying to go below you. <laughs> um, and so the next album is one that... It's a much better K-pop record. Much better K-pop record because it's not K-pop. And I reached out on Twitter, or Twatter as I like to say, for... I, honestly, I have not really ever listened to Slayer. I call myself a metal fan, yet I haven't listened to Slayer. How gross of me. That's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. What about you? Have, have you listened to Slayer before? Only singles, not records. Only. So, I mean, marginally better than you, but not. That's fair. So, I reached out and I was like, yo, metal fans, what's the best Slayer record? They said, 
the, the it wasn't heated debates. It wasn't a heated debate. Oh. There was probably only like four replies because you know, whatever. But more than one person said Seasons in the Abyss. Hmm. So obviously, I added Seasons in the Abyss. Came out January or no, maybe not. I don't know the date, but it came out in 1990. I like this record. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like this record quite a bit. Um, throughout the time where we were reviewing it. I kept wanting to put it on, not even to try to review it, just because it kept amping me up so much. The riffs are some of the purest form of, like, solid metal riffs. Just, like, does that make sense? Like, I mean, when no, th- but yes, but When no. you think of metal in general, or maybe not when you and me, because we are modern listeners of metal, but when, the, I guess, the, the masses think of metal as general... They'd probably think of Metallica, uh, Slayer, maybe Slipknot, but like some of those older bands like Megadeth, whatnot, and those kind of iconic riffage songs. This entire album was iconic riffage. No? Maybe? I mean, you're the one reviewing right now. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, So honestly, I don't love thrash metal. As much as I love all other forms of metal, thrash metal is one that I don't, usually get gravitated towards but when it comes to me i enjoy it for what it is but this was great because it was thrash metal and really groovy at the same time and melodic so though i do like groovy and melodic type of metal add it all together and you have seasons in the abyss um my favorite song was dead skin mask and i gave it a 8.5 out of 10 so i'll be honest i didn't like it the first time i listened to it Really? Yeah, I don't know. That happens a lot, honestly, which is why I try to listen to stuff twice, even if I really didn't like it. Actually, that's one of the reasons I start. I wanted to start this whole per, us personally reviewing music on a regular basis because I would often send you albums, and then you would tell me you didn't like them. And, and like I was six like, months later, I send them back to you. Yeah. And then six months later, you're like, dude, this album's so good, and I was like, I told you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, um, and it's not. Like, even if it's an album I put on there, sometimes I don't like it after a first listen. So it's not just like a Logan told me and then I didn't like it because he told me that I should like it. Um, so I gave it another listen, and it was doing better, but it, it was like halfway through the third listen where it just, like, it clicked. And the thing that I liked about it was it kind of felt like one long song, which I'm not usually a fan of. Um, but it was just full of energy the entire time. Like, there was not a slow second in the entire freaking album. Mm-hmm. Everyone was going ham. Um, the tone of the guitar is so raw and aggressive, which is great. Um, the riffs are great. The drums never stop, like I mentioned. It's not my normal metal taste by any means. Um, like, this isn't what I'm searching for in metal music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but it was really good. Um, I didn't really care for the guitar solos. Um, they, they just, I don't know. They were, they were fine, and it added to the energy of the song, don't get me wrong, but like as a guitar solo, I really wasn't a fan of it. Like In context of the music, it was great, but like as a solo, not... I guess that's fair. For me, it was all about the the main riffs and the groove of those riffs that I enjoyed. The guitar solos were just kind of a little added sprinkles to that. Like, right. I'll give another example. In Meshuggah's songs, I usually don't like their guitar solos. Hmm. Because they're just so... I don't know. I don't understand it, maybe. <laughs> like, they're not bad, but it's just like, it's not like, I don't know. Um, so I gave it, what did I give it? An eight. Um, my favorite song was War Ensemble, Ensemble. War Ensemble. That's like the very popular single, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it might be my favorite just because I had heard it so many times before. I don't know. True, and familiarity can really make you like something because once you hear it so many times, it's like ingrained in you. Yeah, but th- this this was definitely a grower for me, not a... Like, sometimes you hear an album and you're just like, mm, that was it. That's interesting, because for me, I definitely liked it the more I listened to it, but the first listen, I was like, damn, I've been missing out on Slayer. What have I been doing with my life? But apparently this album is slightly different than the rest of their discography. Maybe not this solely, but like it's not as thrashy as the rest of their discography, which oh, for me is a good thing. So that could be why I would like it so much. But that's all we got for the reviews today. Hmm. What else we got to talk about? Hmm. 
kind of difficult to think about, you know. Difficult to think about. Yeah. It is. Um, right, let, let me let me consult the title of this this episode. Maybe that'll help me. Oh yeah, <laughs> difficulty in video games. Would you look at that? Ah uh, yes. So we talk about music a lot. Sometimes we want to take a break from time to time. What's there's nothing better to talk about than video games. I'm sure there's actually a lot of better things to talk about. video game fans. Mm, we're, we're no longer talking about music. You just said there's nothing else we should talk about except for video games. No, I said there's nothing better to talk about outside of music uh, than video games. Okay, okay. Don't be twisting. All right, so flashback like four years ago now maybe? We're in your dad's basement. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time there. We There was three of us. We mm. each had a PlayStation 4. Mm. A monitor, mm-hmm. and a new copy of a video game that just came out called Bloodborne. Oh yeah, mm. I had never heard of this game, nor Dark Souls. Or, well, I heard of Dark Souls, but before then, my Souls record was a flawless kill a boss without taking any damage or hitting him once. A little cheese action. I promise I'd never play a game again like that. But anyway, we died like. Well, you guys made it pretty far. I spent six hours trying to kill the first boss. Did I? Did I make it farther than you in that in Oh, that run? yeah. I couldn't get to the first boss for the first three hours, and then I couldn't beat him for three hours after that. So this would have been after Dark Souls 3, correct? No. No? I don't think so. No, definitely not, because at least I played Bloodborne before Dark Souls, because I didn't like these kind of games until Bloodborne. I think for me it was after Dark Souls 3, so I had some experience playing the Souls I'm going to look at this date on... I'm fairly certain Dark Souls 3 came out after Bloodborne. Okay, well, as he figures out, I have I had been familiar with Soulsborne games first through Dark Souls 2. My lovely wife got it for me on the PS3. Yeah, Dark Souls 3 came out like a whole year after Dark or Bloodborne. Really? Wow. Wait, wow. on the same date a year later. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'd, the only... What is the experience I had with Soulsborne and FromSoft games was through Dark Souls 2, where I did not make it past, I want to say, the second boss. I struggled. I think the main reason for that, though, wasn't because I stopped playing, the, like, it was too hard. It was because that I got it right before I got a PS4. Then I got the PS4, and I started playing PS4 games and stopped playing PS3 games. The true difficulty of video games. Mm. Which one to play? <laughs> yes. So, when Bloodborne came out, it was the next version of FromSoft. Me, Jordan, and our friend Brandon hopped right on it. Before then, I didn't really care for that style of game. I think I literally only got it because you guys were like, you gotta get it. You have to. You know... I was was bullied into it. And I love me some FromSoft, but I've never beaten Bloodborne. Yeah. So, the... With Bloodborne... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know why. I don't, whoa, I really... Whoa, 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 just... Logan. Bloodborne the video game. Mm-hmm. You have not beaten the final boss once. Mm-mm. We have made it to the final boss once. Bro. So, the first time I played it, when we started together, you know, mm-hmm. um, I made it to, I want to say it was called, like, the Parallax, or, no, it was, um... This, like worm or brain thing do you know what i'm talking about you're in this area where it's just you fighting the boss and there's nothing else there it's like this like abyss all around you you have to be like teleported there somehow um you fought a brain boss i want i think so there i think there is a brain boss but he's optional mm, well couldn't beat him so that's where i stopped and i didn't stop i didn't necessarily just be like i don't want to play this game anymore I didn't get past him, and then other games came out that I, my attention... Again, got, the true difficulty of video games. The true difficulty, yeah. So other games came out, and I was like, oh, okay, well, let me move on to those for now. And then I didn't get back to Bloodborne. And then years later, I did. Tr- I restarted Bloodborne because I had forgotten everything getting up to that point. And I didn't even make it that far. And then another game garnished my attention, and that's my biggest so problem. So you don't like Bloodborne? No, I do love Bloodborne, but it takes me a while to beat it because it is difficult. And then another game typically takes my attention away before I can beat it. And then I just 
it's hard to go back to those games because. But you beat other Souls like games. That was because I would beat them all in one playthrough without stopping. Where with so, Soulsborne, you have Dark Souls one. Actually, sorry, you have Demon Souls, Dark Souls one, Dark Souls two, Bloodborne, and Dark Souls three. The first game that I beat was Dark Souls three. Wait, what? You're missing one. Am I? Yeah, you forgot the newest one. Oh, Sekiro Shadows. Yeah, Sekiro Shadows died twice. So, uh, all that I said, and then at the end is Sekiro. So, the first one I beat was Dark Souls 3. Then I went back and beat Dark Souls 2 once that remaster came out. And I own all of them. I own every single version on either the PS3, the PS4, or just those two. I have yet to beat Dark Souls. I've yet to beat Demon Souls. I've yet to beat Dark Souls One. I've yet to beat Bloodborne. I've yet to beat Sekiro, because they always I always start, make it a good way, get a little bit like stuck with the difficulty, and then another game takes my attention before I can latch back onto that game and progress, and I hate it. Wow. I had planned on talking about what makes these games so good, but maybe we need to talk about something else. No, I mean, let, let's talk about what, make, like what makes the so difficulty good. of choosing a video game to play. Um, why do you like those kind of games? Maybe that's a bad question to ask. Because I'm a masochist. No, that's not true. I'm not a masochist. Aren't you? No. Um, why do I like the Bloodborne Dark Souls games? I li- let, let me rephrase that question. Okay. I have never played a Bloodborne Dark Souls whatever kind of game you're we're, we're at GameStop you're the employee I go madam why would I why should I spend my $70 now on Demon's Souls for my new PlayStation 5 that I got for Christmas why should I buy it what would, what, what would your answer be ooh I would probably ask questions before giving an answer my question would be like do you hmm actually that's a tough question, honestly. Why would you buy Demon Souls or any from software game? Because the the main reason to, to play those games is because the re- the reward for completing any part of that game is worth it. So let's take example of Dark Souls three, and I Dark Souls three in my opinion is the best. I don't know if it's because it was the first one to beat. I don't know if it's because I love the lore that that game brings. But what they did made it so easy to, once you did beat that first boss, it made it easy to progress in a way that made you want to finish the game. I think the first boss was harder than like the next two or three. Because you fight the first boss before you're even able to get to your nexus or to your your um, safety hub. In those games, they all have a, an area of safety where you can go and upgrade your materials and do stuff like that. In Dark Souls 3, you didn't get to that area until you beat the first boss, where every other game, I, eh, I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure every other game, you got to the safety app or before the first boss. So in Dark Souls 3, you're going through the tutorial, and then at the end of the tutorial is the first boss. And that boss is hard, especially if you've never played before. So you have to do what you're supposed to do in a Dark Souls game, and it's trial and error, or I don't know, maybe just like continuously repeating what you're trying to accomplish. I don't know. And you're, you're most likely not going to beat the boss first time, even if you're a veteran player, because it's different and you don't have a lot of equipment. So you have to figure out how to beat this specific boss. So I remember specifically playing this game, beating that first boss, or getting the f- his health bar down to zero, and feeling so good about myself. And then he comes back to life, his health bar goes back to full, and he has a new form that is more powerful and just harder to attack. What the hell? So, you have to then beat him a second time in the same battle. So all of that progress you made to beat him the first time is erased. It's not actually erased, but in a sense it's erased because you're most likely going to die before you beat the second version. You have to come back. 
And by the time you do beat that first boss, you have a grasp on what the entire game is. It's a, it's trial and error. It's fine changing your strategy to figure out the boss and constantly trying and trying again. In Dark Souls, you are meant to die and you are meant to try again. And that's my favorite part about the game is the reward once you do finally beat it. Once you do finally beat that boss, you can sit back and be happy with yourself. And that's really the reason. So now this poor kid at GameStop who has just heard this 10-minute lecture from you <laughs> is probably not going to buy the video game. <laughs> probably. I'm going in more detail than I would tell a kid. Sorry, I should have dumbed it down a little bit. But the main gist of it is the reward that you get for um, completing any milestone in the game is worth it. That's about it. Hmm. Hot take. I will say it's not for everybody, though, because... If you want a linear story, you're not going to get that. If you really want a story at all, you're not going to get that. The only way to truly understand the lore of the world is to go into all the items, descriptions of the consumables, the weapons, the armor, and just kind of read the descriptions. And those are how you build the lore of the story. So it's really, ba the whole game is all on the gameplay. It doesn't hold on a story, it doesn't hold anything else. Even though you can grab those things in other ways, I don't know, man. I love the idea of the reward that you get. And there's no game for me that has done that besides Cuphead. Hmm. I would venture to say that pretty much any game like that where it's hard and the player's expected to die a lot, um, it just, it were, the, that, that kind of philosophy is works really well for the kind of game that Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Neo and Cuphead um, and even something like Celeste. All of those games kind of work well with that philosophy and it, I think it's just the game, you're supposed to fail in the game. Like That's one of the core gameplay mechanics is failure. Mm -hmm. And every time you die, you gain a little bit of knowledge. And you pick yourself back up, dust yourself back off, sometimes with more resolve to kill the thing that killed you sometimes with a lot less resolve sometimes maybe you have one less controller that works in your household um but i don't know it's just kind of like in day-to-day -day life people are so afraid of failing hmm. that it's kind of interesting that a video game where one of the core gameplay mechanics is failure is so beloved yeah, honestly, it's when you die often in a game, it can get excruciatingly frustrating just because you, you're trying to make this progress and it's not working. Like I'll, I'll give an, an example of a game that's brutally difficult and is not fun to play, and that's Call of Duty World of War on Veteran Difficulty. Mm, honestly, I'm going to add to that any Call of Duty on Veteran Difficulty. The newer ones are pretty fun. Are they fun? Well, I don't know if that's because I moved to a mouse and it's more fair to aim on a mouse because you can get those flick movements. I would have to go back and play World at War. Um, so maybe that was a false statement. But but for me, I've never, I have never completed a campaign on Call of Duty on Veteran because I don't find it fun. Yeah, it's just, that is fun because it's unfair. The enemies have laser accuracy. It's, if they see you out of cover, you're dead instantly. There's no way to get around it. It's almost like luck-based. That is not fun and it's difficult. Yeah, no, and you brought up a good point. I actually, I posed the question on Twitter before this episode, asking people what their thoughts on video game difficulty were, um, if they liked their games difficult, whether they would rather play it on easy and destroy everything. And shout out to uh, Saz Razmataz, for one, a great name. Great, great name. And two, he said that he likes a challenge, but it has to be fair. So like aimbots in Call of Duty or whatever on an insane high difficulty are unfair, because it's not worth it that you, you get shot before you can do anything. But games like Cuphead and Hollow Knight, which are two punishingly difficult games, but they're completely fair in the way their difficulty is. And those are ones that are more fun to play. Yeah, it's almost like in Call of Duty when you die, it's like a punishment. How dare you be seen by me? Where, as in those other games, you learn a lesson. It's like, okay, I died because I didn't 
do this thing correctly. It's like a, it's almost a checkpoint in like those types of games. Like you die, it's like, oh man, I died. But now I know how to move forward. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. It's like the, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with the concept of a roguelike? That's like Hades and Transistor and... Sorry, roguelite. Yeah, but yes. Oh. So I haven't played Hades yet, so I, I don't know, but... Like the concept of you play a game, you die, but the next time you play it, you're a little better. Like yeah, 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 yeah. I think these kind of difficult games that we've been talking about are kind of like a roguelite, but for your mind. Where your character might not get any better, unless you level them up, of course, but your character might not get any better when you die, but you do. Hmm. You might not realize it. That is true. But then, once you finally do get past the thing that's stopping you, maybe it's the, I don't know where I'm going. Maybe it's the, this stupid piece of shit's killing me all the time. Or maybe it's this boss just like one hits you and you don't know what to do, but then you figure out how to not die from the thing. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, everything just kind of clicks and all that tension that you built up releases and you're like, whoa, look at how far I just came and I beat that. This feels great. And that feeling, that euphoria that you get whenever you finally beat that boss you've been working for for hours, days, weeks, whatever, it's so good. And it. And then I always ruin it in the next 10 minutes because I'm like, I'm going to do another mission now. I'm ready. And then I die in the first three minutes. And then you get frustrated <laughs> yeah. and then you quit and then you don't feel good for the rest of the day. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. But these games, those are, like, when you talk about um, Soulsborne games, even Cuphead Hollow Knight, you know those are going hard into it. At least you're supposed to know, I think, that those are difficult, grueling games. Yeah, I think it's, like like I said, I think it's supposed to be a gameplay mechanic. Like right. That's a reason to play the game. Exactly. But what about difficulty in games that are, that, that that's not the mechanic, that it's like what? a story game, whether it's Horizon Zero Dawn, um, the Witcher 3, Red Dead Redemption 2, games like that. I don't even know if you can change difficulty in Red Dead, so it's probably bad. Let's talk about Witcher 3. That game has easy difficulty all the way up to, I forget what the... Death March. Death March. So you can choose whether you want to kill everybody easily or Death March. When you go into a game like that, what do you do? I would... I used to always pick the hardest difficulty. But why? Because I also did, and I have a reason for it, but why did you? Because I felt like when I was playing the hardest difficulty, there was always something at stake. Like uh, in The Last of Us, for example. If I'm on the hardest difficulty and I know that like I've only found one bullet in the last four hours of gameplay, I shouldn't just shoot the thing in the head. I should walk around, plan out my options, formulate a game plan, and then execute the plan. And that is infinitely more um, uh, engrossing, no. Immersive. Immersive, thank mm-hmm. you, than just flying through a campaign. Um, and also, it's a little bit more rewarding, and it also, like, it adds a new element to the game that would not be there if you played it on a, on an easier difficulty. However, sometimes I just want to experience the story of a game, like, Let's say, for example, the new Spider-Man game on PS5. Mm-hmm. There's difficulty on there, and I deliberately chose the easiest because I don't want that game to be difficult because I'm, I'm purposely playing it for the story and because I don't have a lot of time to play. So I want to... Like, I'm very selective about what games I want to play on t- if I have a choice. Um, but if I choose the most difficult, it's always because I want that extra layer that only that can provide so interesting yeah so for me i used to play every single game on the hardest difficulty because i would try to get platinums or i would try to get all achievements or trophies on that game and the only way to do that usually is beating on the highest difficulty or less um as of the last what four years now since probably since going to college i don't have enough time to do that which sucks i hate it but i don't have enough time to get those platinums all the time. So now I tend to go for the difficulty higher than the recommended because I myself find that I'm a 
pretty capable video game player. Like, I'm not, I'm not bad at video games because I've played them my entire life. So I'll go higher than recommended because it will be at least slightly a challenge to me. And the reason, the, the main reason for this is because when The Witcher 3 came out, I put it on Death March. And I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to play this game on Death March. I'm going to do everything this game can do. This is going to be like my next big adventure. And it was. But it took me way longer than I expected. Not only because of Death March, but because of the amount of time I was able to put into it was less than I was hoping. So then I got to this point, and spoiler alert, there's, there's a mission where you have to like follow this like um, corrupted, tainted fetus that flies through the air through the until it gets to this destination. And during that mission, we encountered these like three or four, they looked like kind of ghouls. They were, they were a weird being that- Was it the ones wearing the wedding dresses, the wraiths? Then or, or were they like actual, like the ghoul looking things like that? I don't remember. Were there legs or no legs? There were legs, okay. I think. I think they could be ghouls. Maybe. Raz Agul. But... No, I mean, Agul's the enemy type. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so, we, I got to him, and I died. And then I died. And then I died. And then I died. And I could not not die. Because every... Like, I literally think it was impossible for me to not die there. Because I either wasn't leveled enough, and the save, where it would bring me back, was in the middle of the battle. So... I would hit these guys over and over and over again until I was like out of stamina and I couldn't hit anymore. Then they would heal back to full health. And I couldn't beat them. And I was getting so, so frustrated. I spent weeks on this, these four dudes. And it really, it peeved me. It pissed me off. And so I took the game and I put it down one step from Death March. I was able to beat them. Moved on from there. Didn't go back to Death March. Obviously, didn't get the platinum because I didn't beat it on Death March, and the rest of the game was still difficult, but not that. It wasn't to the point of where it did truly feel like it was impossible. Is it truly impossible? Not necessarily. I could have been making mistakes, but I don't know. That instance of the game completely made me want to stop playing The Witcher because I couldn't get past it, and I spent so much time, and other games had come out within that time frame that I kind of was reaching and playing those games, I eventually did jump back into Witcher, finish it, and finish the game, finish the DLC. It was well worth it, but Death March on Witcher is the reason that I no longer care unless it's a game like Dark Souls or that's meant to be punishing to play on the hardest difficulty. So as someone who has beat Witcher on Death March, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but you weren't playing it correctly. Probably. And that's not your fault, because the game doesn't really tell you how to play it. On Death March, there are certain fights that you literally have to prepare for. You have to make that, you have to make a hard save. And then you have to go brew the Witcher potions. You have to go apply oils to your swords. You have to do all of these things. Know your enemy's resistance by reading it in the monster book. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you can get yourself softlocked where you literally can't progress because you have, like, you literally can't be. And that was the main issue. If I could have went back and did some things before that battle, I would have, but I the save that I had, and that was probably my fault for not making multiple saves, like, close by, but... It would just load me right into the battle. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything about it. And that's one of the reasons why I, I like playing on those higher difficulties. Because you have to then really dive into it and know what you're getting yourself into. Know all the systems intimately. But it's a lot of time. It is a lot of time. It is and a like, lot of effort. It's one of the reasons why I don't like playing strategy games. Like um, Crusader Kings or Stellaris or even Civilization anymore. And that's not because I don't like them, because I really love those kind of games. It's just, I don't want to spend 30 hours understanding how a game works to then play it. You know what I mean? Like, at this point, I'm just 30... If I get 30 hours out of a game, well worth my money. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, but I, as much as Death March did kill my 
uh, aspirations of playing every game on the hardest difficulty, I don't think I could ever play it on the easiest difficulty. I don't know if I've ever played a game on the easiest difficulty if given the choice. Yeah, I usually I usually just play on normal now, and if I if I find it too easy, I'll crank the difficulty up. Yeah, but true. I never I never go down. True, 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 true. And there's a thing to it. There's the, just the reward that you get for completing a game or completing milestones in a game when it's difficult is so well worth it compared to just flying through a game and beating it like that. I mean. You've binged stuff on Netflix before. Totally. Sometimes you just gotta know what happens. <laughs> oh, totally. And I guess if I was stuck for like a long period of time, I probably would drop it down, especially now, because I don't have nearly as much time to play as I used to. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of the last... Do you choose your do you difficulty in Spider-Man? You're right when you start the game. Yeah. I don't remember. I think I did one harder... Yeah, no, yeah, I do know that. I, I think there's four difficulties, maybe? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I did one harder than the recommended, and it there was times where it felt really, really easy, and then there were times where it felt like I was dying. Out of, like, I didn't die too often, but like especially during those uh, battles where you had to fight the, I guess, the, uh, the crime factions and then take over that mm-hmm. area, those were really difficult. Yeah. So the, if I wanted a challenge, I would go do those. But during the story, it was more fun. It was more enjoying myself. And then there was, and the, Spider-Man did a great job of having difficulty feel worth it, but not hindering to where you can complete the story pretty easily if you have it on the right difficulty. But when you go to do these extra things, you're not gonna constantly get three stars in this, three stars in that, beat this easily. You're gonna struggle to do all the extra things while the story you can kind of, maybe not easily, but uh, complete without too much difficulty. And I like that about Spider-Man. I Props to them on that. Yeah, for sure. That's really the main thing I wanted to discuss. Just difficulty in video games? Yeah, I mean, it, it spawned a whole bunch of other numerous directions we can go later, like talking about completionists or um, other aspects like that. But if we start now, it's gonna it's gonna go too long. Yeah, I mean, for me, video games have evolved over time from being fun to being something that I wanted to challenge myself with. So I would always get the platinums. I would I would always go for platinum trophies, and then eventually, when I realized that I didn't have the time to do that and play all the games I wanted to play. Now, I try to just enjoy the story for as best as I can, because I usually only play story games for the most part. Um, But doing it on just as best as I can, and I usually choose a slightly higher difficulty. But then there's competitive games. That's a whole different subject, but like Call of Duty, Rocket League, all those other things that you don't set the difficulty on, but you you can play with a skill. I also really like those games, and I really like pushing myself to the limits in those games as well. Yeah, but that kind of difficulty is a little bit different, because that's just more like true competitive spirit, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like like you said, Rocket League, Siege, Counter-Strike, mm-hmm. all those games are, they're not hard, they're pretty simple at their core, but it's just because everyone else can get so good at them, and you get so competitive, you want to get better, and that kind of difficulty is not really what I was thinking when I wanted to talk about this, you know? No, that's fair, yeah. We can talk about it, though. No, I don't think there's too much to talk about. I mean, just... You can find, quote-unquote, difficulty in video games in multiple outlets, whether it's cranking that difficulty up to the hardest one in the story or pushing yourself to the limits in multiplayer or whatever else there is to offer. But just because we like to play difficult games, at least I can say that. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. I would say so. If you do like to play video games on the easiest settings and wreak havoc, that's freaking awesome. Because yeah, there's, there's literally nothing wrong with it. Being like a god complex in that sense, and where you really just like rain havoc on things, is a lot of fun in itself. Even though for me, just me personally, I, I enjoy getting those more uh, immersive moments from games when you have to really fight for that last breath. 
Or if you're just not that good at video games and easy mode is the hard mode for you. That's true. That's fine, too. Um, just discussing, like, the more layers... Really, my goal with this was just to discuss... I started playing Neo 2 on PC. It mm. just came out the other day. I know it's been out for a while on consoles. But it came is, out on PC recently? Which is what... I missed it on console, otherwise I probably would have got it for PS4 when it came out. I just didn't know it came out. It kind of had like a soft launch right, where it wasn't really hyped up. And, and I, I never saw any like YouTube videos about it or any ads about it or nothing. Well, that's because Neo 1 didn't get that good of like reviews. Oh, from, I thought... From what I saw. Everyone that I know who played it really liked it. Really? And I really liked it. It's just when I when I played it, I borrowed it from a friend and then we graduated college. And mm. I have it on PlayStation Plus, so I... I have too many games right now to play, but if I have an open spot, I might try it out. I will say Neo 2 is much better than Neo 1 in every facet. Mm. Um, but I started playing that, and I was just thinking about why is it so fun when I like I spend most of my time dying. Um, but it was it was really just to talk about how difficulty isn't a bad thing and how failing is good, and that in and the like, true form of video games being escapism. Failing in a video game is kind of like philosophically training you to maybe think failure is okay in your own personal life. Ooh, that's the angle I was trying to take. That's a good point, and I like that idea, especially just being a huge fan of those Soulsborne games where you have to fail. But yeah, no, I mean, the reward. If you beat a boss the first time, the reward's not that great. I mean, you, you, you feel pretty epic, but it's not you feel anywhere as close as... You feel good because you beat a boss first time. I guess if you know the boss is really hard for everyone else and you beat it first time, that'd feel good. But if it's one of those games where everyone beats the first boss first time, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you die, 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 and you have to keep picking yourself back up, and you have to change your tactics to beat it, that is the the best feeling when it comes to playing a hard video game yeah. and that's what I'm here for mm -hmm. so no shame to the people who want who don't want a challenge no shame to the people who easy mode is a challenge I mean video games are supposed to be fun yeah I mean just yeah um, but just thought we'd give you our take on difficult games and why we like them and why maybe you should try more of them but if you want a difficult game to play this isn't sponsored because obviously no one sponsors us but Dark Souls any of them um, I, would I would not start with one or two. I would, I would start, start with, with Dark three. Souls 3. <laughs> it's it's the easiest to start with. And if you have a PS5 and you think Demon's Souls would be a good first entry, I don't think you're correct. No? No, I think Demon's Souls is very hard and would put a lot of people off if they don't already like that kind of gameplay. That is fair. Demon's I would say if you have a PS5, play Bloodborne first because it's on the PS Plus collection. Um, I think Bloodborne's harder than Dark Souls 1 and 2. Or not 1 and 2, 2 and 3. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Really? Um, I would definitely recommend Dark Souls 3 first. Um, I'd recommend Bloodborne. If you don't end up liking any of those, Sekiro is the same difficult style, but a completely different gameplay style. Much, like it is so much different. It's much faster paced and less using of like shields and... It's, it's, it's more of like a rhythm game, honestly, than it is. Because <laughs> like, once you like understand... The, it's like a rhythm game in the sense that they don't tell you what the pattern of notes you need to hit are. You figure that out based on the enemy's movement and sound effects. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want more of like a fast paced arcade game, Neo is up your alley. It's a little difficult. You like platformers. Celeste is so good, and it has a really touching story to it. Um, I don't know Celeste, but speaking of platformers, you've got Hollow Knight, which is great. It can be very difficult. And the one thing about Hollow Knight, though, is if you like to be um, guided, that's not the game for you. because oh, it's, none, of, none of these games are going to guide you. None. Yeah, so far, none of the games we talked about are going to guide you. If you want a game that will guide you and be difficult, that'd be Cuphead. That's a platformer as well. Um, well, Cuphead doesn't really guide you. It just lays out all of the options in front of you. Well, it doesn't guide you, but you only have limited things you can do. Right. Whereas Hollow Knight, you can go literally right. anywhere in the mm -hmm. map if you find it, and you have to be your own Pathfinder, which I like games like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, I was, 
I was playing with Veronica uh, Hollow Knight, and we were just kind of going through it. And she's like, well, what do we do next? I'm like, literally anything that you want to do. Yep. Go wherever you want. Figure out whatever you want to figure out. It's completely open to you. And she was just like, what? I mean, it's kind of like a lot of the first video games ever, like the original Zelda, mm -hmm. is so hard because mm -hmm. there's no direction. Not only that, but the mechanics of those older games require some pretty precise timings too, but... A really good... I, I want to say this is a roguelike. You might want to correct me, but... um, um The Darkest Dungeon. Mm, yeah, that's... It's a punishing game that is extremely, like... It's very... I shouldn't use the word cute because it's kind of dark and dreary, but it has, like... This character. Cute characters, and, like, you really kind of... Enjoy the party. I don't know if cute's the right, right word, but um, I don't know. It's very stylized. I don't know if that's what you're going for. Not not necessarily. It's forget about it. But it's it's punishing. But it's I don't think it's too punishing to the fact that it's gonna put you off of it. I think Darkest Dungeon's pretty. There are certain moments that you'll just get killed every time. It's more of a party management, team building game than it is like your own skill because there are a lot of random elements to it um but yeah i would consider that more of a roguelike than like a, the kind of games we're talking about yeah because like if you talk about that then you can also bring in like slay the spire or hmm. um hades or something like that mm -hmm. yeah. i would highly if, if you're a video game player and you haven't tried harder games like this now i don't know why not do it mm -hmm. It, if you end up not liking it, don't play it anymore, which I guess if you spent your money, you probably don't want to do, but I'm sure... I mean, honestly, it's a genre of video game that is incredibly rewarding if you put your time into it. It'll make you feel really good. You'll become a better video game player all around. Um, it engages all aspects of your being, whether that's like you get your rage, you get your happiness, you get your um, confusion, you get your exploration your mental skills, you're like contorting in your chair trying to like dodge the boss's hits when they're coming in. Like, I don't know, it's like a full body experience. Oh yeah, and it's, especially if you're able to play with friends and sit down together, like when if you swap back and forth fighting against one of these bosses and you're both struggling and then eventually you guys beat it, it's just such a great feeling. Yeah, and you and I have had that, Brandon and us have had it, It's it's solid. And, like, if the game is too difficult for you, consider playing it with a friend where you, like, hot-swap the controller. Because then you can... Whenever you're playing these games, you don't get a chance to critically watch. You're kind of, like, on autopilot going off your instincts. Mm -hmm. So if you watch someone else play it... You can see what they're doing wrong, and then you not, can change it. <laughs> you don't want to watch a YouTuber play it because they're going to play it correctly and you're not going to learn. But, like, if you watch someone else's, it's kind of like, oh, you're obviously dodging too slow. Why haven't I been able to see that when I play? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're like, hey, you're dodging too slow, try dodging earlier, and they didn't realize that, and then they start dodging earlier, and then you, you know, progress that way. Yeah. It can be a fun team-building experience. That, honestly, yeah. Some of my favorite moments with video games is with you guys and just plowing through some of these harder, more difficult, challenging games. I don't really have too much more about these games. Yeah, me neither. No? Well, as always, we want to leave you guys with some music to listen to. So if you haven't checked out what the albums that we reviewed, you might not want to unless they sounded good to you. But if they did sound good to you, check them out. I'm going to drop a hot take. It's going to be an indie pop artist. Her name is Arlo Parks. The song is Black Dog. And honestly, she just released an album on um, January 29th. The entire album is solid as a rock. I like the song Black Dog. Very... Um, fun and easy to listen to she brings a lot of emotion and thought to her songs i would highly recommend arlo parks check it out i have a metal grape it is a very topical song for 2020 that was not supposed to, like it wasn't planned like that um the song is called bring back the plague it's by cattle decapitation great um, band just absolute great band yeah, and their their songs are kind of like over the top and gruesome like that, but their messages are actually pretty, like, very poetic, honestly. It's usually about, like, man-made problems to the world and why, like, I mean, obviously, to fix something like global warming, you know, 
exterminating the entire human race obviously fixes the problem, but that's not the, not the right way to do it. And their message to the band is usually just pointing out these problems and then not going to the extreme like that, just because it's, I don't know, makes a good metal song. Uh, I don't know, I just, I think musically their style of metal is like top notch. Um, the vocals are pretty cool. He does this pretty cool like sing scream thing. I don't know, I think it's kind of unique. Go check it out for sure. Oh yeah, top tier metal band for sure. Um, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. It really does mean a lot to us. We do this for fun because we like to talk to each other about metal and we decided, well, if we like to talk to each other, let's talk to other people as well. Um, if you really liked it or if you really hated it, either way, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because that's a great way to just help us reach more ears. I mean, that's all we really want is to talk to more people. Yeah, and if you really disliked it, the best way to get back at us is to give us a five-star review and then put your mean words in the comments so that when more people get recommended this podcast, they can see your negative words and maybe choose not to listen. That's that's so freaking true. But if you have any feedback whatsoever, well, you can hit us up on Twitter at Two Metal Fans and you can hit us up on Gmail. That's kind of old school, right? Just email. Email, Gmail. Two Metal Fans at gmail.com. Feedback is much appreciated because we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here sometimes, and we would love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Again, we're just we're just doing it to do it. We're not like pros. We're having fun. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for listening. As always, stay metal.